Golden Stallion, the man of tomorrow, Savzu, the rated R radio star, here in another little car cast where we're going to do a review, and that we, meaning me, and of course the lovely and hyper-intelligent, the goddess of the airwaves, Dr. Stephanie Murphy is here with me. Woo! Yeah, oh, there's who else? a... Who else would you be with in the car? Well, you're a great point. <laughs> <laughs> but if there are more, hey, let's, let's, let's rock and roll with everybody. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, no, um, so we uh, were coming back from, we saw, and, and I, I told patrons about this, this is a Patreon-only content, of course, thank you to the patrons that make all this content possible, that love consuming it. Yes, um, thank you, and this is our own pay-per-view in a sense. Yeah, because we're coming back from... Your microcosm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pay-per-view we just saw. <laughs> right. We're coming back from, uh, from Clash of Champions... WWE. Uh, WWE Clash of Champions. So this is a wrestling pay-per-view. Vince McMahon, the whole thing. You know the deal. Uh, and and I, I had said that this was coming. And we caught it Sunday night. We were there. Boston, the TD Garden. Uh, it was really... I mean, it's a fantastic venue. I've been to it personally many times myself. Uh, the Garden for a variety of reasons. Um, but for Stephanie... So, I, well, alright. little little background... So I've been a wrestling fan pretty much my whole life. Since birth. Yeah, pretty much since birth. You identify as a, as a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I identify as a wrestler since birth. Yeah. Uh, so, I, like, I grew up in New York, and, and as I've said many times in the past on Sovereign Tech, like, in New York, you're just a wrestling fan. Like, everybody. And, in fact, we've even, you know, I mean, I live, obviously we live in New Hampshire now, um, but other people that have come from New York that have moved to New Hampshire that you and I have talked to, Stephanie. The first thing you say to them is always, oh, are you a wrestling fan? And yeah, then they, they're like, yeah. Yeah, and they immediately like, identify. And then you say, oh, I shouldn't have even had to ask. I mean, because yeah. you're from New York. Yeah, I mean, man or woman. Like, they, they were, you know, whatever. They, they, I mean, when you're from New York, especially, like, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s anyway, maybe today it's not so much that, mm-hmm. but in the 80s and 90s, if you grew up in New York, you were a wrestling fan. I mean, it's just, it, it's just part of the... I mean, it, it was so hot at the time, you know, that, that you can't you can't really avoid it. So um, I've always I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. Uh, wrestling, whether people realize it or not, is actually a major or wrestling stylings are a major component of Sovereign Tech. Maybe, well, that was something I didn't realize until I started getting into it. But I'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. You finish up your intro. sure. So so that's my background with it, and like I mean I, I mean I was. Like, for years, for many years, I was absolutely crazy about it. Like, it wasn't just, like, a passing thing. Like, it was a very active thing, uh, you know, that I was very much into it. Um, and, but Stephanie, you you never got into it. You were never, of course, you're from Massachusetts. Um, I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah, here's my experience with it. Sure. So, I remember when I was a kid, like, 10, 11 years old, all the boys in my class were really into wrestling, and in fact, there were two boys, the brothers, that lived on my street growing up, where they started this little, like, re- they had a trampoline in their backyard, and they started this, like, wrestling show on the local cable access so They TV. started their own promotion. And, yeah, and it was great, and they were, like, they really got into it. They invented characters, they brought in other people, and it was on the, the local cable access, and it actually became, like somewhat popular for <laughs> for a local show. <laughs> and so I watched that a couple times. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is kind of cool. It looks fun. But I never really got into 
resting. I think I just, I don't know. I think it, maybe it was a little bit, I saw it as a little bit too masculine for my liking. Well, too, I, too toxic masculine, you think? Yeah. I mean, it is a very masculine sport. Even, even the women's division, it, like they act pretty masculine. And it's, of course, focused, geared toward male viewers, I, I feel. So I feel, I just, I never really caught on with it. I guess I didn't identify with it. And I don't really tend to like violent program and programming. And I did see it as just sort of pointless violence. And so I was like, oh, this is like football. And I just never got into it. Sure. So fast forward to my 30s and Brian and I get together and he's doing this podcast and he's opening up with, woo, the golden stallion and all this like bravado. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I didn't get it at first. I was like, why do you feel the need to put on this character? You're so interesting. You have so much to say. Like, what is the point of all this weird, like, like machismo, you know? <laughs> I like to think of it as energy, but go ahead. Yeah. And Brian, of course, he is a mysterious man. He he never really expressed to me that it was all kind of a character that was really based off of like wrestling stylings, like he said. And so I didn't understand that. I was like, why do you feel the need to do this? I I was like, for years, I was like, I just didn't get it. So eventually, he says to me will you go see a wrestling show with me? And I said, well, you know, I never really got into wrestling. So I, I mean, I don't know if I'll like it, but I guess I'll try it. Can we watch some, you know, in advance so I can get a preview and see what it's like. And so we found this documentary series about the, the The, war between Monday night war, the Monday night wars. Yeah. And where was that? If people want to watch that, where can they find it? Um, where did we find it? So, well, well, I pay for the... I have the WWE Network. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So, we watched it on there, but I'm sure you can torrent it. It's like a whole season of, a, of, like, an actual documentary series, and it's really... I mean, it's fascinating. It covers WCW, WWE, and, like, even ECW. They get into that a little bit. Uh, but it's one of the most fascinating... Like, if you're into entrepreneurship and business and things like that, this is must must-watch stuff. Oh yeah, uh, awesome entrepreneurship documentaries. I mean, they were, they were great. Uh, They have interviews with all the big players and everybody in the industry is really participating in these. So yeah, I mean, so we started out watching these documentaries about the Monday Night Wars between WWE and WCW. And I got really interested. I thought it was fascinating. And I said, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, I'd be willing to watch some more. And so then we watched some of the recent um, matches. Smackdown. Yeah, we watched Smackdown, Raw. And Raw. And, I mean, my first impressions were like, uh, like I would cringe when somebody gets slammed through a table or into the mat. And I'm like, oh, yikes. Like, (laughs) this is a little too violent for me. But, you know, once once I could spot once I got good enough or used to it enough to spot like how it was being faked and how they're like, they're not really slamming down it. Basically the mat is kind of like a trampoline and there's like a big spring underneath. And before they smack down on the mat, they hit it to like absorb the force. And I know how that goes because I've done that on trampolines and stuff. So I could see how they were, how it's just acting and it made me feel better about it. And I could enjoy it a little bit more. And I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I see where this is going. And then the other thing that that got me interested was that I gained a newfound appreciation for 
influence on Brian and his podcast <laughs> character. <laughs> and uh, that was also interesting to me, just to see where uh, where that all came from. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, it's not like like you know me on my podcast. That's me. I mean, I'm amped up a little bit. You oh, know? I know. I know it's you. It's not like a complete. It's not like a complete character, but that's how wrestling is too. Like they bring a little bit of real life into it, and yeah. so it almost well, that's has how great wrestling works. Great wrestling, yeah, yeah. It's, that's right. It's almost like a little bit of a reality show at the same time as being a drama, right? So, and the lines get blurred sometimes, especially when it's really good. So, um, yeah, I know that your character on the show is infused heavily with you. And the lines are kind of blurred a lot of the time, and I think that's why people like it. But it definitely gave me more of an understanding of something I didn't get before. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I liked it. And so I agreed to go see this pay-per-view event with you, and we watched all the material that was leading up to it. And so I kind of knew some of the storylines, and that was uh, that was great to have that background, because then it got me really hooked on what was going to happen next. Right. So... Okay, so Clash of Champions is mainly a SmackDown event, just to get in a little bit of the technicals. Um, and which SmackDown and Raw are kind of the... I mean, there's the WWE has other shows. I'm not going to give like a whole history of wrestling here or anything. But they've split... Because the WWE really doesn't have any competition, they kind of have to create their own. Sort of like how Sony created the company Iowa back in like the, the late 90s and aughts because they didn't necessarily have competition, so they needed to create competition of some kind, uh, even though really it was the same company. And so this is the second or third time that the WWE has tried this, where the two shows are actually two separate brands, and they kind of compete with each other. Uh, because, I mean, w, you know, if you watch that Monday Night War series that, that Stephanie mentioned, um, you'll see that, like, in 2001, the WWE bought WCW, you know, bought their main competitor. But for a while, like, what made wrestling so hot in the 90s, what made it so exciting for everybody, and what really, I think, made it engaging television, even to watch in a documentary format, like you mentioned, Stephanie, uh, was because it just was so exciting what they were doing and all, like, the, the unique ideas and the competitive edge that they are going for and everything, uh, you know, is really, really magical, really wild. Especially during that the Attitude Era, you know, right. in the '90s, um, I think this had a huge influence on Brian. I mean, like <laughs> if you if you watch this documentary, you'll get it. What Brian's talking about with oh, come on, where's all the sex and the ostentatious displays and you know, like where's all the hedonism? Where is it all gone? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it, it really did. Like, I, I mean, there's no no doubt about that. Like, it, it influenced me in countless ways, you know. Because that was, I saw people having fun. I saw people having a good time. And I wanted that good time, you know? And, and so, anyway, I don't want to get into a big, big sidetrack on that. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that's that's very true. So, so to, to I think to try and recapture some of that, that magic that was happening in the 90s when it was WWE versus WCW, WWE has tried a couple times to create competition within itself, um, like between companies. And, you know, the last, when it happened last, it was some years ago that I remember, it didn't exactly work super well. It worked for a little while, but it, some of it was, like, really boring. But 
anyway, they're, they're trying it again. Seems to be, you know, doing fairly well this time around. Um, and, I mean, there's others. There's NXT. There's, there's a bunch of stuff with, within all of this. But, anyway, so, yeah, so this is mainly a SmackDown show. And so, you know, each, each brand has all their own titles. Like, you know, there's a SmackDown Women's Champion. There's also a Raw Women's Champion. There's, you know, SmackDown Tag Team Titles. Obviously, there's the Raw Tag Team Titles and all this. And all these titles that are specifically for SmackDown were, on, were pretty much on the line. There were only a couple matches throughout the night that didn't have some kind of, you know, major championship um, on the line involved. So, which made for, you know, a pretty good pay-per-view. It ran from about 7.30 to about 10.40 something. Or, uh, yeah, about 10.40. So, this is a three-hour event. Had a fair amount of length to it. Um, which not uncommon for a wrestling pay-per-view, uh, but it was, you know, it was, it worked. And did you feel, so in that three hours, and now I, I want to ask another question, but this is just a, just a quick one. Did you, how did you feel about that three hours? Like, did it go by quickly for you, Stephanie? Was it, um, or what, like, did it, was there any areas of sludge or, you know, what, what do you think? Um, well, I felt like I got my money's worth. I mean, I sure <laughs> I didn't pay for it. You did, but, yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like I, I felt like that was delivering the goods. You know, sure. <laughs> that was they made that they made sure that people would. It was worth paying for. Basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I liked it. I liked the length of it. I, I felt satisfied. They saved the best matches for last, yep. which of course that's a good a thing to do. Um, you know, I was thinking about, oh, I was anticipating those last matches. Um, the only thing that would have been nice is if I could hear the commentary, but so like when you're at the live event, you can't hear the commentary. You can only hear right. the announcers like welcoming the wrestlers as they come out and do their entrance and stuff. And that's epic. But the only thing that would have been nice is if we could hear what the commentators were saying during the match. But I think I'll rewatch it later and, you know, then see what the commentators were saying. Because that really adds a lot to it. Yeah, the commentators, like, definitely help with the story, the excitement of what's happening going on. I mean, they're a major component of the presentation. Yep. Uh, no doubt about that. And, yeah, you, 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 do, you do miss that. Now... Now, today, and only in like the past couple of years, is it actually technically feasible where you could kind of do that? Like, right. what you could do is, is you could put the WWE Network uh, app on your phone, and then you could pop on a pair of headphones, right? And you could listen, you could watch it on your phone, and like listen to the commentators on your phone, and you could be seeing the match happening live. Which we did see some people doing that, and I, I think that's pretty amazing that that can be done now. Um, so. But, I mean, I think the argument would go is that, because I agree, you're missing a component of, you know, of what makes it all so wild. Um, I think the argument would go is that the people that would actually pay to go see one of these, you know, are kind of the, you know, the hardcore fan that could even run a commentary in their head, you know what I mean? Right, uh, yeah. So, so it's not something that they that they would necessarily miss so much. And really, the, the fans at the event get to kind of add in their own commentary because they, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of chants that have developed over the years, um, like that are kind of stock chants that just, that WWE fans just know what to, what to say. Mm-hmm. Like there's, you know, if a match is really great, you're going to hear the whole crowd start saying, this is awesome, you know, and then they do a little clap. Um, or 
I mean, there's 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 a bunch of different ones, you know, that that you could go down down the list of. Uh, like if somebody does a cross body chop, you know, that's a classic Ric Flair move, and so everybody goes woo, and you know, I mean, and the whole crowd goes woo. I mean, there's such an amazing energy uh, when you go to it. So so, but you felt you got your money's worth. You didn't feel that there was really much in the way of necessarily slow moments. You never felt like really bored or anything like that. That didn't cross your mind. Um. No, I didn't. Um, I, I wish I could hear what the commentators were saying, but that's a fair point. Uh, like, if I knew, uh, if I was more of a, fa- a longtime fan, sure. I would have been able to do my own commentary in my head, and I wouldn't have cared. But, I mean, I, we were up in the balcony, but I could see everything that was going on. They had a big TV screen that was showing sort of the close-ups when the backs were turned to us. Right. So, like, it was easy to see what was going on. I felt like I was... I felt like I was close, even though we weren't really close, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think they've gotten it to a point where when you go to any of these events, like, there's really not a bad seat in the house. Yeah, it didn't feel like there was a bad seat in the house. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Um, And also it helps that the wrestlers themselves are larger than life. I mean, some of these guys are nearly seven feet tall. Like, these two, there was a tag team that came out, the Bludgeon Brothers. Yep. And they, they came out, and the announcer goes... Weighing in at 590 pounds between the two of them. Yeah, these two guys, almost 600 pounds. So each of them is almost 300 pounds, and they had to be nearly seven feet tall. Yeah, they were huge. They were towering over everybody the ref, the other wrestlers, the other tag team. I mean, it was amazing. And so, but when you have a seven foot human in a ring, even if they're far away, they look like they're bigger. So it's easy to see what's going on. So, uh, I mean, I guess there were a few moments maybe where I was like, okay, when's the next match going to start? But they really didn't make you wait very long. Yeah. They really didn't. And they were even cleaning up the ring in between the matches. Right. Like they had, I guess they had little like sheets over it that they could kind of just peel off like a like to get a fresh layer for the next match. Yeah. (laughs) Because I guess they must get sweaty or bloody or whatever. Sure, sure. Uh, at one point, there was even an oriental rug in the in the ring. Cause oh, yeah. And yeah, Jinder uh, Mahal, Jinder Mahal came out. The, that was a little bit over the top, Yeah, I modern day Maharaja. Yeah, he's an Indian guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, come on. But, I mean, yeah, they, they did really well with the props. I was saying to Brian, like, before the show really got started, I was saying, like, man, like, how much equipment and scenery and props do they have to take around with them? And Brian said, it's a fleet. There's, like, 20 trucks. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. You know, how, how this travels Plus around. Plus the, the, uh, the characters, you know, the, the people, the crew. Yeah. Yeah, they're around on buses or flying or, I mean, it's it's really, it's it's quite the, it, it, it's such an amazing operation, um, really, to, you know, to see in action. Um, so it's a, they really put on a show. Yeah, I mean, it's really, yeah, it's really good. I can appreciate the show, the showmanship. <laughs> one thing that I was shocked by: there were no pyrotechnics like that. That used to be such a major part. Like I told you to bring earplugs, yeah, but they weren't necessary. Um, well, I was glad I had them. Oh, you know, sure, sure. <laughs> better safe than music sorry. Music is loud, and I'm I'm a voice professional, so I need my ears. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but it was just I was I was kind of shocked that that wasn't that that like wasn't a part of it anymore. Um, and, and I don't know how I never noticed it, like, watching Raw or SmackDown, that they had kind of stopped doing it. Maybe they just save it for WrestleMania now. I don't know. But, anyway, I mean, that's... I don't feel that anything was necessarily lost on that. Yeah. Um, it was just interesting that, that that really wasn't so much part of the program. Um, well, I wonder if it's different in different arenas, like 
Apparently yep. they chose Boston for a reason. I mean, it's a great arena. The yes, TD, it is. The TD Garden was beautiful. Yeah. Um, it was really nice. Like, it wasn't one of those broken down arenas that you go go to sometimes where it's like, oh, this really needs a facelift. Yeah. It was, everything was nice, modern. They had tons of concessions. Like, nobody was waiting in line for, like, two concession stands. No, no, The whole no. place. Yeah, that there was, was really no waiting. It was amazing. That was cool. The parking was easy. They, they even, like, it was... I was shocked how easy it was getting out of there, mm-hmm. which was, you know, you can't always say that. Usually you dread getting out of there at the end of a show when everyone lets out and there's thousands of people trying to go home. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, the, it was a good experience. The venue was really nice. So I'm sure they picked it for a reason, but maybe that venue doesn't have the capacity for pyrotechnics. I don't know. Maybe maybe some of them are better equipped for that than others. Although I kind of find it hard to believe that they don't have the capacity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I've been to the garden and they've done it, but yeah. anyway, that that's neither here nor there. But yeah. yeah um, so I mean, but overall, and I, I, we're gonna get we're gonna break down some of the matches. We're gonna talk about some other aspects of this um, of what you enjoyed. But but overall, like I mean, this was like you really had a good time. Is, is that, is I that what I'm understanding? I had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time. I've been to you know. I've been to some show. I've been to all kinds of shows over the past year: concerts, comedy shows, and now this wrestling. Not really many sporting events except this. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, it was up there in my top shows that I, I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So, uh, because. <laughs> I mean, you know, honestly, like, there was a little... I was asking you, what, are we going to go to the next one? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, of course, we'll do it. Um, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll try to start lining up tickets for WrestleMania or something. I mean, because that's even... That's crazy. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, admittedly, like, it, and like I said, we'll get into some of the matches here. Admittedly, not I'm in no way, like, ashamed of being a fan of wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. But... It seemed like for like in the Liberty Movement, ironically, almost so many people I meet in the Liberty Movement are into wrestling, but then it seemed like there were so many people that, that just had like the stigma around it. Like, oh, how can you be into that if you're into peace? How can you be into that if you're into this? Blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> well, I was one of those people. Well, I, I'm, I'm just, and, and look, I, I get, I mean, you know, not it's it's all up to tastes. People have different tastes and all this stuff. And I understand, like, also, there's, there's this real thread in the liberty movement of, like, being against team sports. Because they feel like it... it, it uh, I was going to say, that's what I think it really was. Because I think a lot of people view it as, like... Oh, it's bread and circuses for the masses. It's like football. Right, right. But I mean, but people have a problem with football, I think, in the Liberty Movement because of, even though the Liberty Movement's dead, um, <laughs> you know, I think they have a problem with it because it, they see it as tribalism. Like, they see it as like a microcosm of nationalism or something like that. Yeah. I mean, now most... That's how I see it. Yeah, now a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of those same people are now pro-nationalism, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but anyway, so so... You know, I think that's kind of the problem that comes up for them. And so, like, they write off all sports. Right. You know, saying it's it's all terrible. Uh, and and I, I've always felt that that's a little unfair, you know, to, to make that kind of claim. Um, so, yeah, but but it's it's good to be able to, like, really, you know, say, no, look, here, this is a, it's a show. This is what it's all, you know, this is presentation. This is, uh, I mean, and, and look, I, I've said this many times. I think that wrestlers are the greatest athletes in the world, bar none. Because not only do they have to do these, and we'll talk about some of them, not only do they have to do these incredible athletic feats, 
but they have to make it look, you know, they have to be able to do the feat, and then they have to be able to fake it, but right. make it look real. Yeah, that's you know, right. I, I mean, and that's that's like a whole, like I said, that's a whole other meta level of athleticism that people don't seem to respect. Yeah, uh, and and it's really a pity. So, anyway, um, that, that's just kind of a kind of a side tangent, but mm-hmm. it, it's nice to be able to you know to talk about this, and you know, obviously we'll you know be going to these events in the future but talking about this event so you enjoyed it i had a great myself my own personal you know quick shot review um i loved it i thought it was a fantastic as somebody who's been to many pay-per-views who's seen countless pay-per-views uh and shows um, i thought i i thought it was a fantastic event um i did too yeah. yeah i didn't agree and we'll talk about this i didn't you know not everybody that i wanted to win won not everybody that i think the crowd wanted to win one. Right, but they can't just give the crowd whatever they demand. No, right, right, <laughs> right, exactly. But um, but I thought the matches, the people that they had come out, I saw the people I wanted to see having those belts on the line. I thought the, I, I didn't think that there was really, I didn't really feel that there was a boring match uh, out of any of them. There's there's a couple moments where where I felt the matches were going a little too slow. Uh, but overall, like I, I thought, the matches were fantastic, and they yeah. just—they—I they, mean, there were some is, lengthy matches too. Yeah, and, and I mean, the bulk of it was a lot of young talent, younger talent, like new generation talent. They weren't bringing out Hulk Hogan or The Rock or you know any of these kind of guys, uh, and they were delivering. You know, like they weren't relying so much on the past. I felt uh, maybe the biggest name from the past would have been—I uh, mean, Shane McMahon was there, but like Randy Orton was you know was kind of one of the one of the bigger deals from the past uh and you know even he's kind of a younger guy in the grand scheme of things but you know he he delivered I mean all, all that was was great so okay so let, let's break down the matches let's let's talk about was it opened up with what you would call a dark match which is a match that doesn't necessarily show up on the main pay-per-view um and that started like the opening act. Yeah, it's kind of the opening act. It's like to just warm everything up, make sure everything's working in the ring, whatever. Uh-huh. So, and that opened up with I know Zack Ryder. I forget the name of the first guy, uh, but he ended up winning. Zack Ryder did not win, which he was certainly the bigger name. And it was just a match where the storyline was is that they were a tag team, and things went sour. Things went sour. Now they're breaking up, and this is their this was their breakup match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought it was a good match. The the guy, his name was Mojo or something like that. Mojo Raleigh. Yeah, Mojo Raleigh. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. He won. Yeah, he won. And and I I liked it. I mean, it opened up. The guy, you know, his music starts. He's got some kind of metal music, and he comes run. You know, like he gets looks like he's a track. You know, he wasn't playing up a character of a track star, but at the front of you know you have this really. There's a long runway. There's a long ramp runway that you know to get into the ring, and he starts at the beginning of it. He gets down like a track star, and then he just bolts into the you know into the ring. You know, he had a lot of intensity, mm-hmm. and and I think that's a great way to kind of start it off. Is even including for just a dark match, um, they made it a very one of the most exciting dark matches um, I've ever really seen, frankly. Uh, you know, and and it had a point to it too. There was like a little bit of story to it, so I, I thought that that was cool. Um, yeah, I thought that was just as good as. It was worth, you know. It was uh, it. It was worthy of being included there. Sure. Yeah. Um, and sometimes these dark matches will get included. In, like it varies. Sometimes they put it in the DVD. Sometimes they don't. Uh, but anyway, um, so that that match was a nice nice warm up. I mean, how did you feel about the first match? Like, what was your first thoughts when you see this dark match going? 
Um, I thought this is going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, right on. Okay. Yeah. The only thing, like, I think it would have been an even better warm up if we could have hear, heard the pre-show shit talking show. Right. Because we saw them recording it. And we saw this simple video studio that they had set up in the corner. Yeah, I want to talk about that, but go ahead. Okay, so some of the the, uh, players were being interviewed, and um, they had commentators doing this, like, pre-show. And I would have loved to have been able to hear that, but... And, like, some people were actually watching it on their phones during the show, like, on the WWE Network. They were streaming it. Um, We didn't have the option to do that, but... Or we didn't... Well, we didn't set it up. Yeah, we didn't set it up. Yeah, I mean, I I have the WWE, WWE Network. But, but that yeah. would have been an even better warm-up for me. But, um, you know, we'll watch it again. See, see it yeah. Later. Yeah, so this is this is something I want to talk about quickly, and then we'll talk about the, the, the real opening match. Um, so they, this is amazing. Like, And this is something I've wanted to do, actually, for Sovereign Tech for some time, and I've been talking with you about it, Stephanie, off and on. Um, and it's the reason I have, like, multiple cameras and a lot of other stuff that I've been kind of gathering to maybe do it at some point. So, uh, to, for pay-per-views now with the WWE, and this didn't really start... I mean, they've always kind of had a pre-show, but they didn't start, like, a pre-show at the event until, I want to say, like, WrestleMania 2000, which that was technically, I think, WrestleMania 16. So, you know, that would have been late 90s. Um, and all they do, it's so... Like, when you when you see it on screen, when you're watching it at home... It looks like this awesome set that they put up and everything, when all it really is is a triangular glass table with with a nice face on it, you know, meaning face on the, you know, covering the, the, the table. Uh-huh. Um, and some backdrops, and, a few and logo backdrops. Like two screens that work as logo backdrops, mm-hmm. okay? And then you have one person sitting on one part of the triangle, and you have, like, two other people at the other side of the triangle, and, it, you know, and you could have guests come on and sit... Uh, you know, at one part of this table. But it looks amazing on screen, but it's the most basic setup. It's literally a yeah. fucking table in two, in two screens. Yeah. That's all it is. But, you know, you wouldn't know when when the camera makes it, when it's filling up the entire view of a camera, right? Right. And this is the nature of a lot of these shows, especially like on YouTube, like uh, the Star Wars show. There was an episode of the Star Wars show, which is this little like eight minute news show uh-huh. that, that Lucasfilm puts out, which is it's actually pretty good. I, I watch it um, every, every week. So they they did what it took to make the set, and it was nothing. It was a couple <laughs> couches, and like the only thing is, is they had like this really nice, nicely built backdrop, but it's a singular wall backdrop, and like a couple of blue lights shining up, and that's all. But it looks like a totally professional. You know, a, a television show, yeah, right, or a totally professional production. It is so easy to do professional video production today. Like it's mind-bogglingly easy to do that. Um, and at some point, I want I want to integrate that. But it was very interesting to see just how simple that setup was um, for doing the interview show. And yeah, it is exciting because, like, the, you know, you can have because you have all the wrestlers right there at the event. They can butt into the interviews, you know, and yeah. just walk in on, on camera. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really, you know, that's exciting. And, yeah, we'll watch that uh, later. And, obviously, we'll also watch Tuesday night's SmackDown um, to kind of see the aftermath of all of this. Uh, so, I don't know if we'll do, like, a review show of that. I mean, that might be a little overkill. But, uh, but anyway, we'll, we will watch that. So, so, let's talk about, unless you have any other thoughts on that, we can get to the opening match. Well... One thing I just want to compliment them on real quick is, sure. like, these people know how to sell 
pay extra upsell content. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like I, the whole time we were watching this, I was like, "Oh my god, how can Brian integrate some of these ideas into his Patreon?" You know, like because they spend the free shows promoting the the paid show, the pay per view. Yeah, right, right, right. Right, and then they pay it. Then they make the pay per view really good, and it's worth paying for, and people are happy to pay for it. You know. Yeah. And uh, I just thought that was really, really good uh, marketing and good promotion. I guess that's why they're called promoters. Yeah. No. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they they are. You know, and, and this is, I, I've told, this is not new for Sovereign Tech listeners. I've been telling Sovereign Tech listeners this literally for years. In fact, if you go back and listen to, in the main in the main Sovereign Tech feed, there were, what did I call them, Sovereign Tech shorts? Oh, fuck. Now I can't think of what I called them. But there's only like two or three of them. Okay. Um, where I just did these little short episodes where I just ranted. And in one of them, I talk about exactly how, look, if you want to know how to do business... Like, especially as an individual, watch wrestling. These guys, they're the best business people, the best promoters in the world. Like, and they know how to put over one guy, you know. Yeah. Forget about having to put over a whole company. Forget about having to put you know, get employees and all this other horseshit. Like, they know how to put over one guy. And with, you know, with so much that you can do with tech today, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, you know, with GoPros and all this other kind of shit, I mean, like, you, you can be a one-person production studio that can certainly integrate a lot of what, you know, industries like the WWE and others, you know, really, really put into their shows. It's, it's so amazing. So you're absolutely right. That's, that's a salient point uh, to bring up. So, okay. So let's talk about the opening match, uh, which they, they started right off with, uh, with, with a, uh, with a, a title on the line. It was the United States Championship. Uh-huh. Which is and it was per- a three-way. It was a three-way, yeah. Now, some of these matches, I didn't know what the rules were exactly because you can do... There, there's there's ways that you can that you can go about this. Like, there's what you could call kind of fatal rules or where it's elimination, meaning that as one guy gets pinned, then you got to pin the other guy, right? Like, so if it's three wrestlers, the idea is, is okay, you got to pin one of them, and then you pin the other. Right, that's you know, what I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was going to be elimination. Okay, but instead it's fatal where whoever gets, whoever pinned, gets a pin first is, the, is winner. the winner. And I thought that kind of sucked. But, I mean, that that's not a knock on the show. That's just the way that they, they set it up. We I just wish it was a different way. We probably would have heard that at the beginning if we could have heard the commentary yes, again. Yes, right, right. So I wasn't clear that necessarily those were the rules. But, anyway... Um, so they open up, and he knew exactly what they were doing. Because there's this guy, and he's probably out of the, kind of the newer breed, even though he's not really a new wrestler. He had a very long history in the TNA, or in TNA, which was a, a rival, still, I guess, kind of a rival promotion to the WWE, um, which at one point was pretty serious. Like, they were really doing great work. But he was uh, he was part of a tag team called Beer Money, which was really, uh, which was a, a, just a solid tag team. But um, anyway, the guy's name is Bobby Roode. And he came into NXT, left TNA, went into NXT, into the WWE, and eventually he got into SmackDown. Now, this guy, Bobby Roode, great, great wrestler, great, you know, he's got a great body, like, he's a great technical wrestler, like, this this guy's got everything you need. But he has one thing that makes him, that kind of puts him over the edge, that makes him very unique. Yeah. He has this entrance, and it's, it, it's mainly about the music, but he, you know, he kind of... Uh, uh, you know, lifts it up and sort of personifies the music and everything that's going. He has like this operatic, dare I say, almost like Romanesque. Yeah. 
uh, uh, kind of entrance music that's called Glorious. Uh-huh. And it is such, it's like so cheesy, so over the top, but you just, you love it. You can't help but sing it, and you just feel so good when you hear it. Everybody sings it, and then they turn the volume down. You could hear the whole crowd is singing it. Yeah. And they even shout it, like, before the match was beginning, they were shouting it. Yeah, and I so, mean. So, yeah, he really gets people on board with it. And then he's got, like, these these ostentatious robes that he's wearing. Yeah, he comes out like Ric Flair wearing these really gorgeous robes and everything. Yeah, and then his briefs will say glorious on it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's so so over the top. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it's fantastic. Like, I mean, it really, you know, this is the kind of, I love that kind of stuff. So I appreciate this guy's attitude and the presentation that he brings in. And they open the show up with him and they knew exactly what they were doing because they know once he comes out, the entrance alone gets everybody hyped up. Yeah, that's and, right. and it's so exciting. Right. Uh, and so he comes out and does his shtick, and he was clearly the crowd favorite. Yeah. Like, everybody, like, there were Bobby Roode chants, glorious chants throughout the entire match. Uh-huh. Um, and, but he was taking on, uh, let's see, he had to take on Dolph Ziggler, who is a guy, one of the newer blood for the, over the past decade, mm-hmm. but definitely somebody with a lot of talent even though I think he's an ass like and, and yeah he's playing up a character but these men are really good looking too speaking as someone who's like pretty gay um, <laughs> these are good looking men yeah they're yeah. like model like they could be on the cover of a romance novel sure it was all Ziggler so that and I yeah yeah so could Bobby Roode yeah, Bo- yeah Bobby Roode's got a he's got a very rough and tumble look that, that works I think um and the other guy was is uh, Baron Corbin. I think I got his oh, name, yeah. the Lone Wolf Baron yep, Corbin. Baron he Corbin. was actually the U.S. champion. Yep. Going in, he uh, looked a little bit more like a metal dude. You know. Yeah, he was a very big, very big guy. Yeah. Um, very tall. Yeah, I'm actually. Hair. You know, speaking of this, the the whole. Just looking at the roster, mm-hmm. a lot of these guys don't seem to need to be too cut anymore. Like they can have some mass and size. Uh huh. But they don't seem to need to be... Like, Bobby Roode was cut, but they don't seem to need to, like, have, like, a lot of definition. There used to be, especially in the 90s, like, having that definition and everything, there seemed to be almost a competition. Just how cut It was like look. a bodybuilding competition. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I bet there's a good reason for that, because sometimes to get that shrink wrap look, especially on a long-term basis, like if you're touring or something, yeah. you have to take diuretics. You have to, like... And they're probably going to de- get dehydrated and passing out. I mean, you really can't... It's almost like a trade-off between athleticism and getting how shrink shrink wrapped can you look? You know? Right, right. Because to do that, you really have to get dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, sure, I, I that makes sense. I, I can understand that. And also, there's been constant steroid uh, situation, ah. like uh, you know, cases that have been brought up, and maybe that's something that's contributing to a lot of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there were these... quite a few guys who didn't take their shirts off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so, is interesting. Right. So that's just something that just something I noticed, you know, as a longtime fan, that that seems to be, uh, you know, a little little bit different. Um, but anyway, um, so, yeah, so this match goes on uh, fairly, um, yeah, I thought it was an exciting match. I thought it was very well done. Uh, all three guys, I think, were delivering, you know, great action outside of the ring. Um Oh, yeah, there was a lot. They utilized that whole space. Like, that was one of the first things I ever learned in theater. They're like, utilize the whole space. Stage left, stage right, back yeah, yeah. and forward. In the crowd, in the aisles, you know, like, everybody in the orchestra pit. And they did that. They used the whole space. Yeah, I mean, and they were tossing people, yeah, right outside of the, you know, not just outside of the ring, 
but outside of the uh, like the walled area yeah. into the crowd into the crowd uh, and, and that was I mean it was really you know they were delivering on all fronts as far as that goes um, so this match you know I felt Bobby Roode was really taking it and everybody was certainly rooting, rooting for him mm-hmm. um, Dolph Ziggler does end up winning and he becomes the new US champion mm-hmm. uh, my guess is that this is a build up to where Bobby Roode eventually takes his belt but you've got to have a heel like Dolph Ziggler. And a heel in wrestling means the bad guy, means the villain. Yeah. As to where uh, the face is what, <laughs> is what you call the, the hero, okay? Um, or you can, or some people just break it down to hero and heel now. There's a lot of these little terms, um, you know, that I'm not going to give it like a history on right now, but I certainly could if people were actually interested. But um, anyway, so... Uh, Ziggler wins it. I think you. I think it's safe to say I wanted Bobby Roode to win. You wanted Bobby Roode. Oh, to win. everybody wanted. Yeah, Bobby and everybody did. Yeah. I mean, the crowd was definitely behind him. Nobody on, was on really that. a fan of Baron Corbin either. He was the previous champion. Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people pushing for that, yeah. and I didn't really know. He's definitely one newer character that I wasn't very familiar with. I knew Dolph Ziggler. He's had some very interesting storylines in the past, uh, and definitely has a lot of talent. Almost like a new Shawn Michaels, but I, I wouldn't like you know give him that much credit. Uh, so, the first match, or th- this first match, what what did you think of it? Like, like, what was your overall take? I thought it was really interesting that they started out with a with a three way match for the first uh, match. Sure. And um, it, I didn't know the rules either, but it was it was very interesting because it's like, oh, okay, this isn't your typical like one on one kind of wrestling match. Right. And it went on for you know it was a decent decent length of a match for an opening, you know. Yeah, yeah, it seemed to go for a good while. Uh, I mean, when you have three guys, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can do that. Yep. So, um, okay. Wasn't so, there something, some kind of build up to it where uh, somebody was trying to challenge Baron Corbin and then the other guy jumped in to challenge him or something like that? Yeah, like Ziggler it, wasn't supposed to be in the match. Right, that's right. Be, it was supposed to be Bobby Roode versus Baron Corbin or something. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and I, yeah, and folks, before, before, I hope. I would assume this Spoilers. is well known. Yeah. Well, I, I assume this is well known, or that we would know this. But yes, we're fully aware that wrestling is faked and scripted, yes, and, right. and, and, and that it's largely scripted. Like yeah. we're we're fully aware of that. When you watch it, you kind of go for a suspension of disbelief to some, you know, to some degree. Uh-huh. That you're like, oh, they should have done it. I mean, and look, you know, even if it's scripted, you can change. You know, mid match. People backstage, you know, the guys that call the shots on what exactly happens in the match and things like this, they can change their mind and say, oh, no, we want Bobby Roode to win because the crowd's really going nuts for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, getting in, invested in what's happening and taking it seriously can actually have ramifications. So it's not like, you know, when you when you hear people talking about, oh, he should have taken that match or whatever. Yeah, we know it's scripted. You know, n- n- nobody's that stupid. It's just that... You know, you think that that the way things are going, there's a lot of elements involved. It's scripted, involved. but it's not boring. It's right. like it's still like kind of a reality show. There's an interactive element. It's almost exactly. still like anything could kind of happen. Yeah, there's still there. You do get a pay. You, you know, you do get a, a reward for interacting with what's happening. Yeah. You know, so you know, understand that. Like, like, believe me, we get it. So, anyway, um, so we we can move on to I guess to the next match. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I, if I'm not mistaken, the next match was, I think it was the women's title, 
Or maybe it was the, no, the tag team. No, it was the tag team. Okay, it was the there tag was team There was a four-tag team matchup. Yeah, a four-way, right. Yeah. So you had the Usos, you had... Um, new, you had new Day. Yeah, New Day. You had uh, Rusev and Aiden English. Mm-hmm. And then you had guys, uh, uh, Shelton Benjamin and some guy Gable. I don't know what his full name is. Shelton Benjamin is a tremendous wrestler who's been around for a little while never really gets a big break for some reason but like any you, you can just team this guy with anybody and he'll make you look great he incredible technical wrestler so Chad maybe, Gable I think Chad maybe. Gable maybe was sure so this was the match where I felt like that there were there were slow moments yeah um, and it was one where the Usos were the champions were the Smackdown tag team uh, title champions coming in uh Rushef and Aiden English, or at least Rushef anyway, mm-hmm. who is this giant Russian slash Bulgarian guy, who, tremendous wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of fun, just a great talent. Yeah. Great, great body type too. He's just it's like you know, massive barrel chested. Yeah, yeah. yeah like the whole he looks thing. like he could ro- roll around in the snow and not be cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- this is one, and, and the crowd was totally behind Rushef. Like, yeah, like all the way. They were building up. They had this song, like they were, they were, they had this thing. They were the twelve doing days called, of Rusev Day. Or yeah, something. Rusev Day was yeah. like Christmas. Yeah, and yeah that's yeah. the day he's going to win the championship. Yeah, every like day that. is Rusev Day. <laughs> and Aiden English was just basically pumping him up. And yeah, it was, exactly. It was cool because like nobody really liked Aiden English, but they liked Rusev his yeah, character. Yeah, which I, I'm a fan. He of was it. the star of that show. Absolutely, and I, I've been a fan of his actually for a while. Like they used to, they didn't play him up as Bulgarian. They played him up as. Um, uh, is a Russian, mm-hmm. and he had his quote-unquote wife Lana. Uh, but he, I really liked it when he was kind of like this Russian against the Americans. I thought that that was such a cool like storyline. I always love it when they do that. Not a new one for wrestling, but right. uh, it's a lot of fun when you get the There's foreigner versus the Americans. There's a lot of themes of the foreigner versus the American. Yeah, and I personally, I always root for the foreigner. Um, right, I know. It, well, it shows how racist people are. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I don't we'll, know. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that in the last match. You'll see this theme come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so so this match, uh, I don't, there, there's, I mean, it was exciting. There, you know, there's people, you know, getting put through tables. I mean, you had a lot of those elements and everything. Um, I mean, when you have that many guys in the ring, no, nobody got put through a table on that. At least it wasn't in that one. No, it wasn't. It was oh, okay. Kevin Owens. Oh, that was Kevin Owens. Yeah. Where they, yeah. Okay. Successfully, they didn't they didn't go through through a table? I right. think there were a couple times where they were trying to put someone through a table. Right. But the table didn't break. Right. Yes. Yeah. So um, this is one. I mean, yeah, you got eight guys in a ring. I mean, and look, historically in wrestling, if you want to pack a house, okay. You have like six man tag matches, or in this case, eight man tag matches, you know, and, and you're just guaranteed because I mean, you know, when you have that many people around, it's good, you know, something exciting is gonna is gonna happen. The thing is, I me personally, you know, Rushev was great. Um, New Day, people have this like really wild fascination with these guys, which they're actually like they're a tag team that has three people, even though only two people can compete at a time, right? Um, the other guy just plays the trombone and hands out pancakes on the sidelines. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, I get, I get it. They're really big with the kids because they're kind of funny and they do all this wild stuff. Yeah. Um, I like their, I like their aesthetic, I guess. They're like, they're like really happy and positive. I yeah. Think, and that's yeah. nice. That's nice for a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I get it. I just, you know, it's, it's not exactly my shtick. Um, the Usos, 
the Usos have been around for a little while. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I, I I get their you know they're, they're they're Samoan, which you know Samoans have a pretty uh, impressive tradition in wrestling. Right. You know, the they, rock and yeah, like father, the rock grandfather. Yeah, yeah, rock. Uh, yeah, high chief Peter Maivia and, and others. Um, you know, I know that that's that's kind of a big deal and everything. And, and they're great. I mean, you know, not not that anybody was necessarily a bad wrestler, but. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't feel invested in what was going on. And as great as Rushev is, like Aiden English seems like an odd man out. Like it doesn't make. Yeah, like it doesn't what seem is to make he sense doing there? He's like skinny. He's like nobody likes him. Like it's right. all about Rushev. That's that tag team is all yeah. about him. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know how they got paired up. You know. <laughs> right. Right. But the the Usos like it kind of made sense because they're brothers or something. They seem like they could be brothers. I don't know. Sure. They look very similar. They're about the same height and body type, sure. and they have similar tribal tattoos. Right. Well, and there's a point to that, but yeah. What, I guess it's some, some kind of Samoan tattoos. Yeah, it has a meaning, sure. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that. But when you see them from a, a distance far away, it's like, oh, okay, these two guys have the same tattoos. That's nice. It's almost like they're wearing a uniform, even though they're not wearing any clothes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I thought the one guy was pretty good looking. Like he had kind of a shave, like a like an undercut. One of the Usos. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Long sure. curly hair guys. on the yeah. top. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they just seem more like no nonsense. Like they're just not, they're not going to waste a bunch of time talking smack. They just come in and get the job done and clean up and go home. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Not. I mean, maybe that's a big part of it. Is there was some comedic talking, but there wasn't anybody like that could really deliver kind of like look, I'm going to kick your ass kind of speech. Right. You know, yeah. and that not that's really to be yeah. able to have somebody. Yeah, somebody out there has got to be like that kind of serious, and I, and I don't think that there was anybody out there like that, and so maybe that's why I wasn't necessarily feeling it. But um, you know, I mean, it was a good match. It just wasn't. It certainly, I think, in comparison to the rest of the matches of the night, what didn't feel like a great match. And there was points where it felt amazingly, even with eight guys in the ring, it felt to me a little slow. Um, the Usos did end up holding on to their titles. They ended up keeping it. Yeah. Uh, which I don't blame them. The whole Rushev. Aiden English thing seemed kind of new, mm-hmm. uh, even though obviously the crowd I think was really wanting Rushev to take it. Yeah, uh, we were. We wanted. We were rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But not for Aiden English. <laughs> no, no, the guy's just annoying. Yeah. So, uh, how did you feel about this match overall? You know, do you have any any hot takes you want to put on it? Or well, I noticed one thing they did, which is maybe why I felt a little bit slow, is that at a lot of points, like it would shift to where um, someone would get kind of knocked out for a little while and then they would have two people basically in the ring and they'd focus on them and everybody else is sort of lying there groaning on the floor. Yes. And I think that's why it felt so slow because there wasn't that much like, there were times when even though yes there's eight people in the ring six of them aren't doing anything. Yeah right right right. Or and maybe it they seemed figured, like six weren't, yeah. Right, it seemed like six weren't doing anything. Yeah. It's, you know, maybe they did that because they figure people can't pay attention to eight people at once, but it did feel, I agree with you, it did feel maybe a little slower than it should have at certain points, but still a great match. I mean, there were points where somebody dived off the off the uh, ropes onto, like, a crowd of people and knocked, like, people down like bowling pins, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And that's always cool to see that. <laughs> yeah, when somebody flies off the top rope and takes out like everybody there. Yeah, yeah on the outside of the awesome. ring. I mean, that's hard. To, that must be hard to do too. Sure, sure. To catch somebody in midair, especially a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that match went. You know, no titles changing hands. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that part wasn't 
made it a little less exciting too. But you can't, you know, it's okay to have matches end where titles don't change hands. Otherwise, wow, we have champions for a month and then, it, you know, what the hell? That'd be that'd be boring too. Um, so the next match. Let's move on to the next one. Um, the next match was, in my opinion, could well kind of what was happening around it. I felt like would have made it one of the more exciting matches of the night. I don't think I could call it like match of the night, mm-hmm. but uh, the was the for the the SmackDown Women's Title. Yeah, and it was uh, Charlotte Flair um, against, which is literally the daughter of, of Rick Flair, Flair uh, which I think she's incredible. You know, definitely one of the most exciting things going in the WWE in general, not not just women's. Yeah, um, I mean, she makes you like her. I feel like even yeah. though she has. Even though she has that family name that she, you could say she's falling back on, and her opponent did say that. Well, yeah. yes, but but Natalia does too. Oh, okay. Because she's a heart. Oh, oh you know, okay, she's yeah. like the niece of, or she's the daughter, I think, of Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Oh. And she's like the niece of Brett the Hitman Heart, pretty much. Oh, okay. So you didn't? I didn't know that. But. Yeah. So she's kind of full of crap, you know, right. saying that, like that she used her family name. You know, Natalia used her family name all the way. Right, right. Um, well, you could say, like, about Charlotte Flair, you could say that she could just, you know, try to fall back on her her family name, but she really makes you... She really shows that she appreciates the title. She didn't take it for granted. She right. was working really hard for it. She's wanted it for a while, and she she's so grateful to finally have it. She, she did a lot of, like, hard technical stuff that, you know, she was working for it. Yeah. So you didn't feel like she was getting any freebies there. Yeah, and no, right. And she makes you like her. Yeah. I mean, even when, like, when, I don't know if it was exactly when she first came in, but certainly early on in her career in the uh, WWE proper, she, she came, she was a, a heel. She was a villain. Mm-hmm. And even then, you still, like, I mean, in my opinion, you just had to love her. Like she was, right. just, she was just pulling it off, and like she could back up everything that she was saying. Um, and she's won; she's actually won a ton of like awards outside of what the WWE grants you. Mm-hmm. Like you have Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which is a publication that's been around for decades, that uh, like awarded her like Rookie of the Year, mm-hmm. Wrestler of the Year. I mean, it, like, and she's she's broke a lot of ground for women in general in the wrestling industry mm-hmm. like and she's earned things that women just never have um, and so, you know the other thing I liked about her was that she is beautiful but she doesn't have that sports model abs for days physique that some of the other female wrestlers do that just look like oh come on what are they doing in the ring with all those hair extensions and fake eyelashes oh yeah yeah, like, yeah 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 Charlotte right. Flair was more real looking and yes. so I like that as a woman you know yeah <laughs> you, absolutely you don't have to go that far you get the breast implants and the you know hair extensions and fake eyelashes to go play some sports you know yeah certainly certainly yeah. so um yeah, I think she's tremendous. And so she was wrestling Natalia, uh, and it was a what they call a lumberjack match, where outside of the ring, you put a bunch of other wrestlers. And so that way, if somebody falls outside of the ring, all those other wrestlers are supposed to go beat down the person, the competitor that fell out of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was all women wrestlers that they put outside of the ring. And they built up this storyline like they were all jealous of everybody who got to compete, and they all wanted the title for themselves. Yeah. Though, interestingly, I didn't see any of the... Anytime Natalia got put out of the ring, mm-hmm. it 
didn't seem like anybody went after her. No, no, Ex- they didn't. Yeah, like, but whenever Charlotte would fall out of the ring, all they they'd all jump on her. They'd on her so bad. Yeah, and yeah. they would like they would fight each other to get a shot at hitting her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, getting at her, which was which was kind of kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, with this match, me personally, uh, and I definitely want to get your take on this, Stephanie. You know how you felt about like seeing women wrestling because that's it's kind of a it, it's far more popular now but it, it's it's still somewhat of a rarity and it, certainly historically it's, it's been a bit of a rarity for there to be like really serious um on such on, put on such a high profile there have always been great women wrestlers may young um you know fabulous moolah i mean i could you know uh, alundra blaze i could go down the list of all the tremendous women's wrestlers that there's been you know obviously china that there have been over the years um but you know it's still kind of seen as niche so anyway um this match i mean i thought it was very exciting i i feel like natalia if this was her so so charlotte flair won she's keeping her belt she came in as women's champion she's holding it um, I thought Charlotte was very exciting in what she was doing. I felt like Natalia was being a little more brutish, mm-hmm. and no, I'm not knocking her for this, but she was wearing like a full bodysuit. Yeah. Almost like she, I don't know, maybe she wasn't spending a ton of a ton of time in the gym or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking away any of her athleticism. To get in there and do what she does, you've got to be an athlete, you know? Yeah. And, and I've actually been a fan of hers over the years, but I don't know, she just looked kind of odd to me. And... Something was so. If this is her, like leaving the industry because she's been in it for probably over ten years now. Yeah, she said that at the end when she lost. She said, "Oh, WWE has turned their. You guys are booing me. Yeah, they've turned their back on me. Well, now I'm turning my back on all you guys." And she walked away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of felt like I was getting this kind of sense that she wasn't taking taking it very seriously. Right. You know, and I, I don't know how I felt about that. So. A part of me was like, yeah, let, let her go. Because, I, I don't know, I, I thought she was the weak. She was actually the weak point mm-hmm. in the match. Everything else going on around it made it very exciting. Yeah. But she wasn't, like, she wasn't even really, in my opinion, she wasn't allowing for Charlotte Flair to put on a lot of her very impressive moves. Because Charlotte Flair can fly. Like, in fact, at one point she did where she all did. the lumberjacks were outside. She ended the match by doing a backflip off the ropes yep. into a crowd, into all the women, and knocking them all down like bowling pins. That was, to me, that was my favorite single move of the night. Yeah, she did a moonsault, right, what they call a moonsault, right off the top rope to the outside of the ring, just knocking, just leveling the playing field. I mean, she just leveled everybody. Yeah. And and it was, that. yeah, that was remarkable to see that. Um, you know, that was amazing. I don't know how they pulled that off. That yeah, must be really scary to do that. And I don't know how tall she is, but I don't think she's short. Like, right. I, I mean, she's she's a. You know, it was she, impressive to see her do this backflip right in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was something. God. Uh, so she, she's fantastic. She might be between like her and honestly in the women's division overall in on Raw and SmackDown. Uh, like in Raw, they just brought back Paige, mm-hmm. who Paige is amazing. Oh, she's hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's hot. Yeah, awesome. but I mean, she's amazing. She's but, a good talker too. Yeah, she's a great talker. The British accent helps with her. But anyway, but but Charlotte Flair and Paige are probably like my and, and I guess maybe Bobby Roode are probably my favorite things going 
as far as people that are out there normally, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. not counting like Triple H or Stephanie McMahon or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're probably my favorite things going. So seeing this women's match, I was, I overall, I liked it a lot. I thought Natalia was the weak point of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I was very impressed by it. So, I mean, how did you feel about, so how did you feel about the match overall, Stephanie? And then, but also I'm curious, like, how do you feel about women wrestling? I mean, you know, like, like, like give me your takes. Oh boy. Well, this is a feminist analysis. I haven't had much time to process, so I'll, sure. do, I'll do my best. I'm still kind of working out how I feel about it, but, um, so, okay. There's definite tropes in women's wrestling. Yep. One is that it's a bitch fight, right? It's a cat fight. Like all the women are jealous of each other unless they're on the same team, but even those alliances can be broken up and friendships can end and blah, blah, blah. But they never even show like the teams forming. They never show the, t- the, the friendships getting together. Uh-huh. If the women are in a tag team, they never show why they're in a tag team together. They just show the animosity between other teams and individuals and stuff like that. And they're like... It's all just, like, pure cattiness, you know? Like, like the trope that you would kind of expect, right? Like, oh, women are always fighting with each other, right? They're all jealous of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. I don't, I don't like that that much because I feel like it reinforces a stereotype and a trope. And you could easily have other types of storylines where, you know the women are getting together or they, you know, maybe they're (laughs) a little more than friendly with each other or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're just like defending each other from, from men or from other, other wrestlers who knows, or from the bosses. Yeah. Okay. So a couple points on that Mm -hmm. real quick. One is I think the cat fightiness is improving. Yeah. Like I, I think that that's, I, but that's still kind of the standard. I think that's what people expect. Sure, sure. Um, because I, I think because there have been wrestlers like Beth Phoenix, China, and I think Charlotte Flair as well. There have been female wrestlers who I think could take on the boys. Yes. Um, oh, China definitely. Yeah. 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 Awesome. You, you never got to see Beth Phoenix, but she certainly could too. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you're that that whole thing like a men versus the boys like a real men versus the boys where like the women are kind of protecting against each other against the men or something like right. that yeah that is a storyline that is storyline gold that needs to happen yesterday I agree I don't know why I hadn't exactly thought of that that has to be a thing and I like in the and have like the women do like guerrilla wrestling warfare yeah like I, exactly. I think that would be so fucking exciting and have Charlotte Flair, like, kind of heading that stuff off, because people could believe that. That Charlotte Flair, I mean, and, and even if it's because of her name, She thing. comes in like Wonder Woman and just rescues all these Oh, my God. Oh, fuck. That needs to fucking happen. Holy shit, I'm getting a student hot... Well, sorry, I'm sorry, excuse me. Like, the, the, well, that this, was the other element of this that I wanted okay, to talk yeah, about. That, is, that, that would be so badass. I would love that. Alright, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, okay, so, yeah, that was one thing. I would like to see a little bit more diversity in the storylines. And to be fair, I didn't. I haven't watched it for that long. I haven't seen right, it so for that long. Yeah, but, sure. but to me, there were a lot of tropes. Anyway, um, the other one is, um, it was very centric on, it was almost like heterosexual porn. It was very centric on male gaze and male pleasure. Sure, sure. Right? Like, 
I mean, the everything from the costumes to the body types. Like, I want to see some fat women wrestling. Well, there's, they're, <laughs> they're out there. They, they are there. I know, but there's so few, and there were none in this one. In no, this well, no, you, you didn't get there, because there's the Samoan gal that Lana brings out. Okay. She she is totally, you know, I mean, she's huge. Uh-huh. Like, in every metric. Like, I mean, she's... She, she wears a full body suit. I mean, like, she she's a big, big woman. Okay. Um, and and I think Natalia kind of fit under that, even though it seemed like she was trying to hide that she was. Um, she's always been kind of a stocky mm-hmm. uh, woman. And I say that with respect. Yeah. Uh, and, I just thought she was brawny. Like, she's yeah, muscles, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, th- those those women... Are, are in are in the industry and like one of the riot squad she's definitely a bigger gal yeah uh, yeah she is but even the I mean I don't know the costumes I guess sure. you could say the men wear briefs and stuff too and a lot of them take their shirts off and have no clothes on but I don't know some of the women it just seemed like a little bit gratuitous like they're kind of just <laughs> you know they're just show they're just kind of showing well, off their bodies and yeah I'm really not arguing against you because yes the WWE knows its demographic Right, you, you of know, course, yeah. and and th- I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, per se. I guess just like when I see like the whole field, they all have hair extensions, yep. they all have their hair down, yep. and they all have fake eyelashes, and I'm like, you know, it's hard to pull off wrestling with that stuff. Sure, yeah, it's absolutely. hard to do sports when you're like dressed up like that. Yeah, and I'm I was surprised I didn't see more hair extensions being literally pulled out. Yanked out, yeah. They yeah. would grab people by the hair. Yeah. They would all grab each other by the hair. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the men did that too when so, whenever someone has long hair. Or oh, even, sure. They even short hair. When you're throwing someone back in the ring, you grab their briefs and their hair and yep. you throw them back in the ring. That's what everybody did. Yep. Um, so I can't say I was too surprised by that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just there was, there was a little too much, I guess, of the unrealistic attire wardrobe or whatever to the point where I felt like it was pretty much a requirement to to wrestle in that stuff and to have a good enough body so that you could or to have a social norm conforming body enough so that you could show it off in like crop tops and stuff like that yeah yeah and I yeah again there's been varying exceptions to a lot of that I think but I think overall you're still right I mean yeah like the women you know me as a longtime fan the women's division has Improved mm-hmm. on all counts that you described yep. by leaps and bounds. Like, sure. like in twenty years, they are night and day. Like mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to even barely recognize it from what it used to be. I mean, because literally, like the women's division in the nineties and the early aughts, like a bra and panties match mm-hmm. was order of the day, right? You know, or a pole match. I mean, like all this different kinds of stuff. You know, so it's it's gotten a lot more serious, uh-huh. you know, since then. But I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, not necessarily going to pat WWE on the back for any of that. Um, so. The only thing that would have been even more of a trope or a cliche would be somebody, you know, stole somebody's boyfriend, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or somebody cheated on their girlfriend with, you know, one of the other women in the wrestling, and they yeah. like fight each other, and they have to fight it out. Yeah, I think they're getting away from that. There, there have been storylines like that certainly in oh, the I'm past. Oh, sure there have. Yeah. Um, to I varying mean, it was degrees in, of success. In the, the Netflix show Glow. Yes. Um, I, which, by the way, I love that show. Yes. But the only thing that was a little bit, um, a 
little bit of a trope to me was that, you know, the, the rivalry between the main characters was because one she slept with her husband, you know. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, that was like the main crux. Yeah. Yeah, understood. Um, so, okay, so, but, but I mean, overall, what did you think of the women's match? Like, how did... Um, I thought the women's match was, was pretty cool. I mean, Charlotte Flair definitely carried it for me. Yep, yep. She was awesome. Yep. Um, isn't, uh, Casey Catanzaro going to join the WWE? Is she still training? Like, when Yeah. She, I was kind of wondering, like, when is she going to show up? I, she might be in NXT. I have yet to, like, really watch NXT. Okay. Um, since, since it became, like, now NXT is, like, this development property. Right. That I, uh used to just be a show like that, that, that they ran mm-hmm. um, it was like a third promotion kind of that they were running I mean it still is kind of a third promotion but now it has like a purpose um, so I'll have to check that out and uh, Casey is from one of our favorite shows which is American Ninja Warrior yep uh, she retired from Ninja Warrior and she announced that she's joining the WWE which I think she's going to do great it'll be yeah. interesting to see her uh, in that certainly so that's the thing is that, look, this women's division, I mean, you, you know, criticisms aside in areas where they still need to improve, uh, I mean, this is exciting stuff. Like, uh, I mean, And very, don't get me wrong. The men's divisions are full of tropes as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's uh, it's toxic masculinity uh, at its <laughs> finest, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's got to try to prove that they have the biggest dick and, you know, all this kind of shit. Sure. But, so, I mean, the men's division is not beyond criticism. And, yes, everybody is being objectified. Everybody's showing off their body. They're athletes, right? Well, of course they are. Well, and here's, here's another thing, too, to keep in mind with all of this is that this is the this is an extreme example and ex, an extreme extension of method acting mm-hmm. meaning that everything has to be over the top to yep. sell what's going on to True. sell the action like you you absolutely and to tell the story mm-hmm. because you have to rely on stereotypes and tropes to some degree to have anybody be able to come in and know exactly what's going on yeah. or to not watch wrestling for five years and then suddenly come back and say, oh, yeah, okay, well, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Russian versus the American or something like that, you know. Like, so they definitely, like, there, there's a point to that. And this is similar to what I brought up because the critiques you're making are valid, in my opinion. They're totally valid. Not that you needed me to validate them, but they're totally valid. But they're critiques that get made of the comic book industry as well, uh-huh. where like, oh, Wonder Woman has huge tits. Oh, this character has like they're they're sexualizing her. Oh, they have her wearing these outfits that show off her chest or that uh, you know show off her thighs or something like this. A lot of this, you got to understand. In comic books, it's very similar, where you have a very small panel, which is which is uh, an, uh, an analogous to a 10-minute match right. to a very short period of time. A very small panel where you have to get the point across very quickly that that's a woman that you're seeing, yeah. that you're reading about in the comic book, on the comic book page. And so, to some degree, I think that they they need this. You know, like, like they, they need some of it. You know, and maybe society will catch up, you know, to where it's not needed anymore. And, you know, we'll see. But but I there's a point to it. It's, I don't think they're just being assholes or that they're just being, like, well, we don't care. We're going to be men, and you know, we're going to chill this stuff off. To some degree, there's a point to it. So, and we're actually driving through a very ugly 
uh, <laughs> conditions yeah, right now. Yeah, very. We got some snow coming down, which I mean, of course, the world looks beautiful right now. But um, sorry, all right, we'll just keep plodding along. Okay, you're you're, can, you're good keep, to keep yeah, going. I can keep okay. Going. Yeah. All right. So um, now you know the one thing I guess was showcasing a little bit of diversity was that you know the the intros were where the women came out. They had the entire women's division out there. Yes. So everybody had to make an entrance, right? And there was a lot of different. Um, entrances you know like some people came out to, to like kind of dance music with yep. like glow with like raving music yeah some people came out to like kind of rap music other got, uh, girls came out to like metal and you know it was uh i thought that was pretty good yeah uh and that's that's something that's also dramatically improved yep because they don't require the women to just come out waving and smiling yeah exactly. like literally that's all they used to do is they play their little music smiling at all and and, yeah. and a lot of them weren't pink yeah, no, no. In fact, there was the one, uh, Naomi, who was another uh, Oh, she's awesome. The, yeah, she's yeah, great she's in really the women's good. division. Which she was, she seemed to be the only one in that whole match that was sort of on Charlotte's side. Yeah. And where she would go after Natalia and whatever. Well, she and got of, attacked by those other girls. Or by the Riot Squad, yeah. yeah. Riot Squad. Um, and boy, was she brilliant. When she, on SmackDown last week, when Naomi, like, came back, she mm-hmm. kind of had her comeback. She just comes running down the ring and double drops kicks like two of these women I <laughs> yeah. mean totally legit to totally save sold Charlotte it. from yeah, having the same fin- thing done to her exactly it was fantastic yeah um, so yeah so the women's division like I think all your points are totally sound like I said uh, I think there's been dramatic improvements uh, the match overall sounds like you enjoyed it overall I did yeah I, yeah I really did I'm glad there is a women's division and yes. you know um, like there's more than one way to be a woman right and yeah. you know some women like to wrestle like that and some women have this like kind of expression like I don't know it's part of their gender expression like women are going to be critiqued and criticized no matter what the fuck they do so far be it from me to criticize them I'm not criticizing them I'm mostly if I'm criticizing anything it's sort of the the storylines and the the way that it's portrayed as as catering to men yeah yeah, almost like a heterosexual porn yeah that's the only thing I'm critiquing. The women themselves are, I mean, you have to be a phenomenal athlete to do this. Yes. And you have to be willing to put up with a lot of shit. And you have to be willing to defy some some gender stereotypes as well. Because, you know, there's, this, of course, like, this thing about women are, you know, aren't as good at, at sports. And, oh, who cares? It's just a women's match. Like, they can't really do anything that special. Well, they can. And they, they showed it. And I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. Um... So now the next match uh, was was the next one the Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. And I all believe that? so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, that was, was the second to last match. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was the last match. Almost always during a pay per view is the championship match for yeah. you know for the WWE title or whatever title whatever the big title is for the brand that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, for Raw, I think it's the Universal title or something. Right. So. Uh, so the next match, no titles on the line, but incredibly exciting. Yeah. Uh, you know, still and one that a lot of storyline had been built up for, more so perhaps than any other match of the night, um, where a lot of the time was spent on SmackDown concentrating on building up this rivalry. And what it was is it was a, a tag team match with two, which is kind kind of unique or like kind of hadn't been done before I'm sure it's been done before but it was a little bit different where you had two um, referees two special guest referees that being the guys that run Smackdown in the storyline of course one of them being the 
owner, supposedly, of SmackDown, which is Shane McMahon, mm -hmm. which is the son of Vince McMahon, brother to Stephanie McMahon, um, which Stephanie runs Raw. And then the, the his, his appointed general manager of SmackDown, Shane McMahon's appointed general manager, which is Daniel Bryan, who right. is a guy that has a very colored, very interesting history in the WWE. But let's just say he's a very... Very, he's a fan favorite. A lot of people like Daniel Bryan. Um, he has been out of uh, being in the ring, out of wrestling, for a while because I think of a neck a neck injury mm -hmm. that pretty much just put him out of commission. He can't do it anymore. Uh, or at least that's the claim. But we'll talk about more about that in a minute. Um, so the the story, the basic storyline is, and I'll be very brief, is that this guy Kevin Owens, who is a different body type, he's not the muscular type at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, him and uh, kind of his underling, a guy, um, Sami Zayn, they, uh, they have been, like, they attacked, like, two months previous, they attacked Shane McMahon's dad, they attacked Vince McMahon, like, they put him, you know, they gave him, like, a, I don't know, a DDT or something. Nope. Um, they have been causing all kinds of trouble for they're the McMahon like family. They're Joker characters, yeah. And they're, yeah, and they're troublemakers. Yeah, they're troublemakers, and they're saying that they're not being given the respect they deserve, and they, right. you know, they're, they're talking all kinds of shit about the McMahons. And yeah. Exactly, and so Shane McMahon kind of has a vendetta against them. Yeah. And so the idea is, is that, look, I'm going to put you up against two guys, and you, you know, if you lose, you're fired, you're gone, you're done. You're fired from the WWE. And so the two guys that they end up having to take on is uh, are um, a, a, kind of a newer guy that I didn't know of up until recently, and that's uh, Sh uh, Shasuke Nakamura. Shinsuke. Uh, Shinsuke, yeah, yeah, not Shasuke. Yeah, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who is this like Japanese kind of like this eccentric artist style guy, very talented, yeah. like, really wild to watch. Yeah, it's like really watching a, a game of Tekken. Yeah, you know, he almost throws some kung fu in there. He does a lot yeah, of kicks. And yeah, a lot of almost, kicks. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh, and then uh, Randy Orton, who is who's another guy that's had a really an amazing run in the WWE. Definitely one of uh, one of my one of the wrestlers I'm, I'm a bit of a bigger fan of. Um, I've always enjoyed his intensity, and uh, he's actually like he's a he was he's an ex marine. He went AWOL. I mean, like I, I think which I I really respect that. Uh, <laughs> well, they know where he is now. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he made the right decision. You know, mm -hmm. he, he decided to do business over bullets, and he won, mm -hmm. uh, as as most do. And um, so that that was, you know, and these are two very, very, you know, excellent wrestlers. Um, Kevin Owens, I don't really give a shit. Like, I, I I'm not a fan of. Um, I, I get it that he has kind of a, a real Smash Mouth style, but it just doesn't. I don't know. He just looks like a, a brawler to me. Yeah. And, and that, that and he means just spends nothing. all his time like talking shit. And it's like, okay, when are you going to do something? Yeah. There was a annoying. match before where he was uh, handcuffed to the ropes or something. Yeah. And he cut yep. himself free with some bolt cutters or something. And yeah. Yeah. They've been building this up. Um, they've been building it up a lot. Yeah. The rivalry between Kevin Owens and uh, Shane McMahon. Right. And so the concern is, is that Kevin Owens is getting screwed. You know, their claim has been Kevin and Sam, uh, Sami Zayn that they've been getting screwed by the McMahon family. And so to make sure that they weren't getting screwed, Daniel Bryan says, well, you know, because Shane McMahon said he was going to be a special guest referee. And then Daniel Bryan said, all right, to make sure that it's fair, I'm going to be a guest referee as well. Yeah. And so that's really kind of the story going here, I think, is, is actually, it's the, really the match isn't about Kevin Owens. It's not about uh, Nakamura and, and, uh, uh, and Randy Orton. 
it's about the two special guest referees. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it was, I mean, the wrestling that was put on display was very well done. There was comedic moments where, like, multiple times where both Daniel Bryan, the referee, and Shane McMahon as referee both went down to do the count, to do the three count. And they dived down to try to be the first ones to do the count. (laughs) Right. And it was very confusing because they'd be off time and everything. Mm -hmm. So you didn't know who actually, you know, who who would win, you know, who would win from the pinfall. And uh, eventually, like, it gets to a point where... Like, it looked like Randy Orton was going to win the match. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn would have been would have been fired. And Kevin Owens pushes Daniel Bryan onto Shane McMahon, who's about to give the three count. Uh-huh. And it interrupts the count. And Shane McMahon gets all pissed off, saying, what the fuck? What are, you're in my way. What the hell are you doing? You know, this is just, you're, you're causing all this confusion. Uh-huh. And so you get that. That happens. And Daniel Bryan seems to feel genuinely bad about it. Okay. But then, so the match continues because the pinfall wasn't there. The match continues, and it gets to this point, and this was this was just this was nuts. Okay, yeah. It gets to this point where I think it was I think it was Kevin Owens who had maybe Nakamura or not no Nakamura was was out of the match. Like yeah. They put him through a table. They, yeah. So that was a cool. This happened before that. So right. somehow Kevin Owens and Shinsuke ended up outside of the ring, and they put. They put Shinsuke on a table. Kevin Owens clears off the next table next door to him. Right. And then he jumps from that table onto the other table, breaks the table on top of him. Yeah. I don't know what, what the move is called, but yeah. yeah, basically put him out of commission. Right. And Nakamura is out, is you know, out cold for the rest of the match. Yeah. Okay. And so it was Sami Zayn and, and uh, yeah, taken out Orton. So yeah. obviously they get into position to where you know they can get the pinfall, they can win, and so. Shane McMahon go get you know so so Orton's uh, pinned. Orton's pinned. Yeah. Okay. That's right. And so Shane McMahon gets down, starts to do the three count, and uh, like it's crazy. Goes, You're about to go. Oh shit! One, go one, two, two, and then, and then he, he holds his hand up and he, won't say three. He won't. He holds his arm. Won't go down for the three. Yeah. Yeah. It was nuts, and the whole crowd goes like even you, Stephanie, yeah. I mean, myself too. We we're just like, whoa! You know, everybody's yeah. like, oh my god! Because <laughs> it's basically confirming that Kevin Owens was right. He is Shane McMahon was totally biased <laughs> against them. Obviously, he's super biased, and he's he's dirty. You know, yeah. it was amazing when he held his arm and he held it there for a while. We we're just like, oh! Shit. And he's looking around like he just got caught like with his pants down. Yeah, it was and, hilarious. And then Daniel Bryan sees it. And Daniel starts get Daniel Bryan starts getting it, which is the other guest referee uh-huh. starts getting in a fight with Shane about it. Saying, you know, starts pushing him, saying, "What the hell are you doing? Uh-huh. Like, you know, what is this?" And oh, that was that was nuts. I mean, and the crowd was just on fire at that point. And so then it gets to a point where you know the match continues a little bit, and Randy Orton gets pinned again, I think by Kevin Owens, and Daniel Bryan just gets down. And just does the quickest three count, yeah. And, and the match gets called, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win. Yeah, and so um, that means they don't get fired. so they don't get fired. Yeah. But wow, what a match! What and, and this is the importance of storyline. Yeah, exactly. Because if that happened in a vacuum, 
Yeah. It wouldn't have, it'd be like, oh, wow, what the fuck, you know? Yeah, but, exactly. But it wouldn't have had, like, that, that, that show-stopping It wouldn't have had breath. that, like, <gasps> moment. <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and that was just, that was remarkable, to, you know, to see that happen. So, what I think, the, and, and so there's a great match. Like, the wrestling overall was good. I mean, Nakamura is very exciting. Randy Orton's a total professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Owens' brand of, of brawling, you know, it, it was serviceable. It happened. Mm-hmm. Sami Zayn was pretty good in it. I think he's just annoying. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I think the real, what was really going on here was Daniel Bryan is probably going to come back as a wrestler. And he's going to have a match, maybe WrestleMania, something like that, or Royal Rumble. It looked like he was going to start wrestling with Shane McMahon. Yeah, he's going to end up having a match with um, with Shane McMahon. Yeah, and and Shane McMahon, like people got to understand, Shane McMahon can fucking wrestle, and like he's an exciting wrestler. Mm. Like he's had some of the best matches, frankly, in wrestling history. Wow, uh, including with like Kurt Angle. Mm. Um, he's had he has a very famous move where he does a, a diving like a dive bomb effectively not in an elbow really though he can do an elbow too where he'll do it like across the ring oh wow literally launch himself across the ring which is not easy you know full-on wrestlers usually can't do that shit Mm. uh so he is he's a very impressive wrestler so that could be that could be an exciting match daniel bryan of course has you know all the talent in the world um so i think that's that's what this whole match was really about uh i thought the story for this match Again, it was really about the guest referees, and and it it delivered. Like they really made this work. Yeah, uh, that was awesome. That's why they saved it for almost the last match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so your your review is is an awesome match. Would you have what other thoughts do you have on it? Oh I mean, uh, no, I think you got all of it. It was just it, it was just really cool to see that. It definitely surprised me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but this is so you know you being a new wrestling fan, like you can see how the story really can make you physically like whoa like like you totally react more so i want and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm just basing it on what i saw of your reaction more so i think than any movie mm-hmm. or even tv show could really deliver yeah like that's that's what that's the power i think of of wrestling is that even when you know it's fake because there's just that interactive nature and because it's still there's still real talent having to be put on display real athleticism oh so yeah like it hooks you in and then you just you you put in the dash of story and that's what takes it to the next level of entertainment that yeah, it is. That's right. It's a whole new type of entertainment I would have never I would have never discovered if it were for Yeah, exactly. Or right. thought of on my own. Sure, sure. You know, and that's why it kinda it, you know, I get annoyed. I get it, I understand why, and then look, if you can't stand it because it's fake, fine. You know, good for you, you know, Mr. Logic. That's wonderful. <laughs> okay. But if you know, if you can suspend your disbelief a little bit, if you can get into it, if you can follow the storyline for a little while, you find out very quickly. Just, I mean, storytelling is such an integral part of the human condition. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, arguably, like in fact, there was a story, uh, or there there was a you know write up. Um, Might have been New York Times. I don't remember exactly who did it, but there was research of hunter gatherer tribes, and come to find out, the guys that were well, I mean. And gals, but the people, I guess I'll say, that were getting the most, uh, the most action, mm-hmm. you know, the most, uh, the most love, the most, you know, the, the benefits. <laughs> I don't know what, what you want to call it. Uh-huh. The people who are getting laid the most. How about that? Okay. Were the storytellers? Oh wow! <laughs> like the storytellers and the plans, they were considered. You know, it wasn't money. 
It wasn't any of that stuff. The storytellers were the ones that seemed to get the most respect yeah. and to get the most, uh, and, you know, like I said, to, to, to be schnooping the most. Yeah, uh, which make is a, somebody laugh. Is, I mean, right, yeah. right, which is that's a very, very interesting thing. Yeah, and that's that still kind of seems to exist to this day yeah. uh, as part of the human condition. And wrestling just takes it to this very visceral level. That's that super few things interesting. Other things yeah, that's very interesting. Sure. So, um, yeah, so great match that 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 delivered on all counts. Yeah. Um, again, that was more about the story, but you know that was that was great. So uh, now we get on to the last match of the night. Which was uh, the, the the WWE title match mm-hmm. between AJ Styles and uh, Jinder Mahal? Yes. Now, Jinder Mahal is a guy who was champion. He's an Indian guy, mm-hmm. as in India. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been champion for. He was champion for like months, probably. I think like six. I think months, he said three hundred days or something. No, two hundred days. Might have been like closer to two hundred. Yeah. I think it was like two hundred days. So you know, around six months, whatever. And that's pretty good for today because mm-hmm. that those titles change hands way more often than they should. And he um, he lost it, I want to say a month ago or whatever, to AJ Styles. He lost the WWE title mm-hmm. in a European, in, yeah, something. in Manchester, England. Yeah, which was the first time that a, a, a title had changed that kind of t- that the the WWE title had changed hands overseas. Usually, yeah. it was all done domestically, um, and. You know, one could read into, oh, the Indian guy lost in Britain, did he? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, certainly there's <laughs> there's right. something that could be said about that. But anyway, um, so Jinder Mahal is this, you know, he totally plays up the kind of the, you know, the Sikh Indian character and everything. And he does a great job. And this is a guy, very impressive technical wrestler, meaning he can do a lot of moves. He can, uh, you know, get around in the ring very well. He's, he's not just a gigantic brawler. gigantic, and he's got a really good body. Fantastic very, body. He had very low body fat, too. He was very cut. Yeah, he has, like, like his shoulders, I mean, are just, like, his muscles, you know, the traps and everything. Yeah, you could see veins massive. popping out from up in the balcony seats. <laughs> it was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean, he he, de- he just, he delivers. This mm-hmm. is a guy, and he can talk, too. Yeah. Like, he can really cut a great promo. Yeah, he uh, can, and he's got this angry sneer on his face that he does when people boo him or whatever, yeah. like, or when he's, like, thinking about fighting somebody else. He makes this really angry frown, and it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. It's really good. He's a good villain. Yeah, I mean, he is a guy that... You know, he totally, as a villain, totally deserves that belt. Yeah. Um, and really, I know, kind of an open secret in wrestling is that the villains are the guys that actually make the show. Because mm-hmm. the good guys, you know, Bellerophon's nothing without a chimera. And, you know, to use a Greek uh, uh, analogy. And so, you know, the, the villains really always carry the day. And Jinder is a guy that can really carry it. Um, and AJ Styles, AJ Styles is interesting, much like Bobby Roode, who I mentioned earlier, and certainly there are some others in the WWE right now. These are guys who made, who, who showed off their talents, their abilities, really in other promotions, in other, in, uh, in, like in, um, like AJ Styles was kind of the big guy in TNA, like he was sort of outside of the WWE. Yeah, outside of the WWE, everybody knew that AJ Styles was great. You know, like when AJ Styles has come on, you knew you were going to see a great match and everything. And he is a great wrestler. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Um, I do think that he is weaker as a hero. Mm-hmm. Like he he can't when when he is when he's a heel and kind of plays like the idiot heel that can get made fun of or whatever. Mm-hmm. His mic work, his as in like how he delivers a promo, how you know how he does an interview, is is fantastic. Like he does a great job of that. Like he has this awesome face where like he can't believe something happened. 
that is just that is million dollar it's a million dollar fee it kind of looks dynamite. like a like a skateboarder or something yeah, well, like, or like a surfer nor, dude yeah he's only had that long hair really since he came into the WWE he oh. usually has a very short crop cup hair and you can see his face animated a lot more and he can really deliver on that but WWE has him as a hero and people love him I mean people were universally chanting for him uh, in this match yeah and he was clearly it was really interesting because the way they set it up it was clearly set up as the foreigner Versus the all-American hero. Yes. And AJ Styles was, you know, they showed him doing his shit talking before the match. Yep. And, um, you know, Jinder Mahal really plays up the fact that he's Indian. And he comes out with this Bollywood music and with, like, a, like, <laughs> like mandalas and, like, a picture of the Taj Mahal behind him. Oh, yeah, And yeah, he's got yeah. these two little guys called the Singh Brothers. Yep. Samir and Sunil Singh or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Go around and p- promote him. And they were setting it up last week, and they were trying to convince AJ... The Singh Brothers were trying to convince AJ Styles that they were defecting from Jinder Mahal, but they really weren't. Right. And they said... Oh, he made us kiss his feet, and they smelled like curry and butter chicken and garlic. And so it's like they're they're really setting up, they're really playing on people's racism, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. AJ Styles is is over there, like he's trying to play the good guy. And he's like, I'm I'm fine with people challenging my championship, but if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this right. We're gonna do this with honor, bravery, yeah. courage, and we're gonna do this right. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, come on. Yeah, it's very over the top. I mean, that's that's the nature of so many of the heroes that the WWE puts together. Yeah, but it worked on the crowd. I mean, the, all these white boys were cheering for... Well, yeah. they weren't all white no, boys. No, no, no. Yeah. But, I mean, all these people were cheering for AJ Styles, and they were just booing Jinder Mahal. And I even, at, at one point, I even heard somebody go like, fucking Indian, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And you, I was like, oh, my God, I can't yeah. believe they're... Like, listen to yourself. Holy shit. So we were cheering for Jinder just because we're like, yeah. that's not fair. He's a good wrestler, and well, he's, he's amazing. He's, he was he's actually, carrying the whole match. Technically, he was dominating the match. Yeah. Like, he was doing most of the moves. He was getting in the most of the, you know, the big shots. Yeah. Um, I mean, he really was owning it. He was bigger than AJ. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, Physically and, you know, in a larger-than-life way. Yeah, and, stage presence. you know, in a match like that, like, because the guy is so much larger, usually what they'll do is, and this is how they, I mean, this is just the way the match is supposed to go is, you know, he'll he'll have to attack the legs right. of the bigger guy. And AJ did that. And kudos to Jinder Mahal. He, like, he sold it. Now, when I, when I say he sold it, when he's selling it, that means that, yes, it's fake, okay? But he has to make it look real. He has to make it look like he's really injured. He's making and, it look like his knee hurts. Right. And so he, but he did a fantastic, I mean, like, sometimes it's hard to sell that. Right. When you're a bigger guy because you're used to just lumbering around. Yeah. And but no, he he sold the leg injury, the whole thing. I mean, he delivered it. He was limping and staggering. And yeah, uh, he did it right. Grimaces. Yeah, and uh, so I was really really impressed with. I, this is another guy that was that's fairly new. I didn't know him that well, uh, but he was he was fantastic. And and of course, you know the USA chants started USA USA. Now sometimes let me just I want to I want to interject this quick. Sometimes people just do that to make it fun for the show. Like, because they know that it's the foreigner versus the American storyline that's going. It's not always, like, some kind of, like, nationalism or, like, like crazy patriotism that goes on. That certainly does happen in the WWE. That that kind of, like... I mean, the WWE is sadly, seemingly, a very patriotic organization. Yeah, they have this whole show about... Tribute to the troops. Tribute to the troops. Yeah, Yeah. and and that's that's insulting, but whatever. Um, So... 
but the USA chance started and everything. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, but the match overall, it was an exciting match. I it thought. was awesome, and it went on for quite a while. Yeah. and it was, uh, it really delivered. Um, there was action outside the ring. Yep. Jinder threw AJ into the crowd at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tossed him or, or right beyond out. Beyond over the barrier. Yeah. Yeah. They ripped. They were ripping panels off the sides of the of the ring. Uh, not the ring of the uh, outside. Yeah, uh, the wall. In yeah. the wall. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, it was really impressive uh, from a technical standpoint. And um, uh, what was I going to say? What? You were you were saying to me during the uh, match that often when someone's better, they make them the villain. Yes. Like, especially when they can talk shit. Yes. And so that's why Jinder was the villain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really that good. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, what's really interesting is is they'll do this a lot where they bring in like this foreign character. Who's like this wealthy foreign character or something? Yeah. Um, like the last one that they did. In fact, he was. I think. I think he must have ran into some kind of trouble with the WWE because he was just one of the most exciting wrestlers that I had seen in like a decade. And this would have been back in like 2010, 2011, something like that. There's a guy, uh, Alberto Del Rio, mm. who I think he actually ended up becoming very involved with Paige. Oh. Um, backstage, mm-hmm. like you know, and understand this guy. I mean, this you know, he he played up the whole Mexican thing. He'd come pulling out, you know, in huge stretch limos or some kind of fancy car. Like he and he had the you know the whole Mexican music thing going and everything. I mean, he totally lived up this you know this Mexican millionaire kind of lifestyle thing. Huh. And he, I mean, he was and he had a great look, an awesome wrestler. He he was incredible. And I love it when they... I actually really enjoy it when they do those kind of characters and when they play up kind of like that foreign millionaire style thing. Yeah. Which is definitely what they're doing with Jinder Mahal. Mm-hmm. Um, because, the, I mean, these guys, usually when they do it, they only allow for you to do that because they're putting money behind you if, even if they let you put money on display. Right. Is if you have all that talent. And Jinder Mahal's got it. I mean, and, and he was really making it... You know, he made, he made it happen. Um, he did not win the match, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, AJ Styles did. He kept his title. Uh, I expected that. I yeah. didn't expect Jinder to win. Yeah. Oh, there would have been a riot if he won. <laughs> yeah, because that crowd was really behind AJ yeah. Styles. I mean, that's for sure. Um, but it was it was a good match. It was a, it was a good ending. Um, you know, and I understand why you do a title match at the end. This is one of those ones where I think you could have had the you you could have put the, the the dual special guest referee match at the end, but but it was fine. You know, it, it worked. Um, what, what did you think of the match overall? It sounds like you enjoyed it, even though you were, like me, you were wanting Jinder to, to take the gold. Um, yeah, I mean, I still enjoyed it. I've, I still appreciated it. Once I heard you say that they make the better one the villain sometimes, I was like, okay, that made me feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what happens now. Yeah, I mean... And, it, and then I always remember, too, like, you know, even when the character loses the match, it's like that person is still getting paid at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah, yeah. I don't feel bad for them because, you know, if, even if they have some crocodile tears, it's like, all right, they're still, they're still yeah. getting their money, so good for them. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, they're still just as important to get asses in the seats. Oh, yeah. You know, at the place. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think most kids, like, when they grow up and if they still love wrestling, and many of them do, when they grow up, they realize, they, they start to realize that on their own. Uh-huh. That's why I say it's kind of an open secret. Like, because eventually everybody realizes, oh, actually the villains are the great wrestlers. Mm. And, you know, the heroes really don't, you know, don't don't matter as much. Some heroes can kind of transcend that. Like, John Cena, I mean, I don't like, I don't necessarily like John Cena. 
email, you know, when you wear the belt, I'll call you the champ. But, uh, you know, like he's kind of transcended where everybody just kind of loves John Cena. Um, which he's technically in SmackDown. He didn't have anything to do in this uh, in this pay-per-view, which mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised that he didn't even, like, come running out. Um, which he had been running out on certain SmackDown events. Right. Uh, actually. So, anyway, regardless... Um, yeah, so great match uh, to, to end it off with, and then you know everybody started filing out or whatever, and you know we got in the card and and we go. But so this was your first pay per view. You said at the beginning that you thought it was great overall. I mean, oh, do you yeah. have any other comments you want to make about like what was it like seeing your first pay per view? Uh, you know, and wrestling and all of this. Uh, no, just that I, w- I would like to watch it again with the commentary. Yeah, we'll I definitely watch it. Already. Yeah, yeah, but we'll, I'm, I'm excited for the next one. I would totally go to another one. Absolutely, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, in fact, I, I'd like it to be one where you could see, like, Triple H and some of these other guys mm-hmm. kind of come out. But for a lot of people that were not, weren't really relying on their history with the company. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was really impressed it just how great the matches were, how quickly the storylines kind of worked, mm-hmm. um, and and just how excited everybody was, uh, you know, getting into it and everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I expect over the next year, you know, you'll be seeing guys like Bobby Roode and um, some of these other characters, you know, really getting to that kind of like next level, and and where you know you're going to be seeing them getting involved in, the, in you know bigger card championship matches. Um, and all of this. So uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm amazed. I mean, it, and I was, you know, me as a longtime fan, I was concerned because I I know that like a decade ago, the WWE started gearing more towards kids because they need to develop that next generation of fan that'll yeah. stick with them for the next 30 years like I did, mm-hmm. you know. And you got to do that. I get it. But like, you know, pay-per-views used to be so insane. Like, matches used to, yeah, there was stuff happening or, you know, they were, like, peeling stuff off of, like, you know, the barriers, the barrier wall between the, you know, the crowd and the ring. Um, but, you know, you used to pull out, like, people would start pulling out ladders and chairs. Right. And you'd, you'd go, they'd be going, they'd be wrestling up the ramp. They'd be, you know, doing pile drivers at the top of the ramp. Yeah. I mean, like, they're just, it'd be so insane the things that would be going on. At some point soon, hopefully, they get back to that. Right. Like, they, they've got to get back to that at some point. Um, I, I understand what they're doing right now, where they're making it a lot more friendly. And you can tell there was a lot of kids in the audience, you know. But, yeah, they, they got to spice it back up here soon, hopefully. And then, Well, I was going to say, I mean, I thought they did a pretty decent job of making something that was entertaining for kids as well as adults. Yep. Because there, there really was nothing inappropriate about it for kids. But it was right. also, I as an adult was not like, oh, I'm watching a kid's thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean they are they are walking the line. I mean, and, and that that can be kind of easy to do when you, when it's you know even though this is sports entertainment, but when it's athleticism on display, mm-hmm. because you know you can make it about the athleticism. You don't have to make it so much about everything else that's going on outside of it. So, um, you know that that's yeah they they have a formula that seems to be working a bit. Uh, but anyway, my, my hope is is that in the future they get back to more of the extreme stuff. Um, but, uh, but I was, I was very pleased with everything I saw with all the new wrestlers that I saw mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, in the matches that they put on, I mean, and kudos to them because there was a while where the opposite was also true 
where like people were saying, "Hey, where's the wrestling? Like, can we get back to the wrestling, please?" Right. You know, because there was so much backstage antics and so much talking and all this other stuff going on. Um, so it's good to see that they can still deliver some really great technical wrestling. Uh, you know, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so anyway, so that, that that's really all I've got to say on that. I mean, are we? Uh, you know, do you think you're going to end up watching? Are we, are we going to be watching Raw and SmackDown every oh, week yeah. now? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, I think we will. Ooh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I'm sucked in. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Well, we're definitely going to be watching Tuesday's SmackDown to uh, see the aftermath of what happened with Clash of Champions. Um, and, we, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out things from there. But, uh, yeah, next uh, the next pay-per-view event is the Royal Rumble, which I don't know where they're holding that, but obviously we won't be attending that. But I wouldn't mind, you know, spending a Sunday night with you watching that live. That's my favorite. The Royal Rumble is my favorite yeah, you pay-per-view. Uh, because, I mean, just that 30-man match where, you know, every every minute, minute and a half, two minutes, whatever the time frame is, you know, another guy comes out and eventually you end up with, like, 20 guys in the ring usually or something <laughs> uh, is, is always, it's, it's so exciting. Um, you know, very unique. Uh, in fact, the very first one, I think Ric Flair won the very first one. Um, so it's always had a kind of a special place in my heart anyway. So we'll, we'll have to catch that. I don't know if we'll do a review of it, but maybe we'll do a review like this. We'll see what people think of this one. Let us know what you think of this kind of Patreon content. If you enjoy us talking about wrestling a bit here and there. Um, or if you enjoyed the... Let us know what you think about the car cast, because we're recording in the car cast. Uh, or, you know, we're recording in the car with uh, this beautiful H6. And uh, anyway, Stephanie, you got anything else you want to get out there? Woo! Woo! All right, that's fair enough. So it looks like the weather actually cleared up in uh, pretty good order, so that's nice. So uh, more content, of course, will be out this week as well. we got a Relationship Rhombus show uh, that will be coming up soon. Um, and uh, woo, I will see you on the other side. <laughs>